Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. And listen, this is going to make some of y'all's life, this interview, I promise you. You're going to come out of this and go, wow. Um, I have a good friend of mine now. Um, we're, we're somewhat new friends, but uh, this guy, I hung out with him at Jeffrey Gittimer's house. I'm part of a mastermind group with him and Jeffrey Gittimer and this this wait till you see what this guy knows. I want to welcome my buddy Joe Soto to the show. Joe, <laughs> welcome to the show. We're here. We're here, man. By the way, I forgot to tell you once in a while I'm going to be like that and you're going to be on screen by yourself. Nice. <laughs> so, people freak out, "Where'd you go?" <laughs> I'm like, "I'm still here." So, um, Joe Appreciate you taking the time. I know you're a really, really busy guy, man. Th thanks for having me, Ken. No worries. I'm so excited to be here with you, and and uh, what what an opportunity. So let's rock and roll. Yeah, man. So um, we'll start off with you. You only have one child. <laughs> I can't remember. It's been so long ago since I only had one child. I, I don't even remember when that was. <laughs> My wife's on here. My wife, by the way, watched some of our 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 mastermind stuff with you know where yeah. I was in the the screaming hot seat, and she's she's a marketing genius, dude, and she was blown away by you. So um, awesome. well, we all can learn something from from each other. That's for sure. Yeah, I, see, I, that's what I love about you, dude. You're just so humble. Like you've got well, your true. money. Your money printing machine sitting next to it, and you're like, it's cool, man. I <laughs> it, it's you know, we, but we all kind of go through the same trials and tribulations and the the roller coaster rides to get to where we're at, and everyone can help each other, especially during this time. Right, right. That's true, man. I was up till three o'clock in the morning helping people. <laughs> it's uh, that's why I may look a little puffy-eyed. But um, so listen. This is um, this is this is all about helping people have a breakthrough in life that get stuck, and we all get stuck. You've been there. I know you told me some yeah. things, and you know, let's start with telling everybody where you're from. Where were you you born and raised? So I was born and raised in Iowa. I'm from I'm from the heartland, man, the, the Midwest. I currently live in Northern Virginia, um, yeah. about 35 miles outside of DC. I live uh, in a small town called Waterford and my kids go to a small uh go, go to school in a small town although the school's not small because the current communities all pull together with the kids but yeah you know we're we're uh but my roots are Iowa we moved to Northern wow. Virginia in 2014. D did you say Des Moines or well so I grew up in southeast Iowa in a town called Washington a town of about 7,000 people wow. but I did live outside of Des Moines for many years yeah wow so um, I think I told you I spent I spent thirty days in Des Moines one yeah. one time for, yeah. for corporate training and I was like there's nothing and I was like twenty something and I was like there's literally nothing to do I cannot find anything to do there must be some underground late night society in Des Moines or something I don't I, yeah Des Moines unlike you know a lot of major cities does shut down a little sooner but. Um, you know, for quality of life, you know, yeah. in there, you know, in Des Moines, traffic is tractors. <laughs> so, <laughs> for quality of life and traffic, it was a pretty good place to live. And, you know, believe it or not, when I started my uh, digital marketing agency back in 2010, at the time we were just a social media 
marketing agency. Yeah. There, there was a, um, it was, I think second only to Boston with like the most social media agencies per capita. It was crazy. In Des Moines? Um, yeah. So it was several of us. In fact, when I started my business, there was an article that came out in the newspaper. You can still find it somewhere that was talking about why does Des Moines really need another social media agency? And this was 2010. Wow. I mean, we were helping people with MySpace back then. <laughs> so, oh my God. But yeah, it, was, it became kind of a kind of a technical epi, epicenter of the Midwest that was like a smaller version of what was going on in Minnesota, which is kind of yeah. a technical hotbed in the Midwest. But yeah, um, yeah, it was, it was it was it was it was amazing. But yeah, things to do. You, know, you don't have good. You don't have professional sports teams, so yeah, you know, well, you know there's a lot of things that are lacking. But so, like growing up in that small town in the southeast portion of iowa yeah um what like what what did you do how big was your family were, were you a, an only child yeah so i was i'm i'm the youngest of seven children okay um and so we, we had a we had a big family but i was so the youngest i didn't grow up with everyone they were a lot of them were out of the house or um, they're much older than me. There's over 20 years between me and my oldest sister, for wow. example. Um, but you know, we're 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 five we're five miles or five I'm sorry five hours from just about everywhere. So you're five hours from Chicago, uh, St. Louis. You're yeah. three hours from Kansas City. You're four and a half hours from Minneapolis. You're two and a half hours from Omaha. So you know, quite honestly, the location of where I grew up was was awesome because I had relatives in just about all those places I just mentioned. Um, but, you know, I, I grew up small town playing, you know, small town football and baseball and yeah, really just taking pride in learning from a father who I lost my mother at age seven, oh. uh, unfortunately, to cancer. And I did lose my dad very young as well at 18. Um, my dad raised me during those, you know, middle school and high school years. Um, so, you know, I, I didn't feel like I, and I didn't grow up with much. My father, um, I don't think he ever had a year where he made more than $20,000 in, in a year. He worked for a grocery store and, and had an eighth grade education. Um, but I, I didn't grow up feeling like I was really lacking. I grew up very happy and, and, and working really hard for the things that I earned and, and, and got. Um, and I think that work ethic carried with me. I, I think a lot of people take a lot of pride in the Midwest work ethic, but it's very true. I it is, man. I'm I'm from Ohio. You know, I, I read an article, I don't know, it's maybe been three or four years ago, um, where somebody was calling Columbus, Ohio is now the Silicon Valley of the Midwest. Wow. <laughs> I'm like, I mean, I live pretty far north of Columbus. But, yeah. Um, you know, it, it is interesting how, and, and again, you and I have seen this that over the last probably five years, there's been more technical gurus and marketing experts pop up then i've i i mean I, it's it's unbelievable and some of it rightfully so like yeah. like you know there's some of these young millennials man they they've they've learned the, they're learning how to capitalize in different areas in the market and the net but there's mm -hmm. also a lot of charlatans so you have to be careful it's like how do you decipher and and sort and sift through the people that are real and can you know add real value and the people that can't and a lot of times it is a younger person who's found a way to blaze their own trail and find the um, kind of the gaps or the cracks in the market where they can you know find their niche and, and do do an amazing 
do amazing work. And I've learned from those people too. I've had them speak at my events. I had a 19 year old who, uh, at like 17, he was doing six figures, um, from at a high school, him and him and two other guys, uh, from a YouTube channel. It was amazing. And I had him come speak at my event two years in a row. Actually, he was 19 when he first did it, I think, or 18. And, uh, you know, you know, he told me, I remember meeting him when he was 17. He says, I got, I got accepted into Penn state. My parents want me to go to Penn state, but I'm already doing, you know, better financially than they had ever hoped. <laughs> so I'm not sure if, if I have to take that route and he didn't. Yeah. Well, of course. Yeah. Did, now let me, did you go to college? I did. I went to, um, a small, uh, private liberal, uh, arts university called, uh, William Penn, which is now called William Penn university. It was called William Penn college. And it's based in, uh, Southeast, kind of South central Iowa. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I played football there. Did you really? Yeah. I was a wide receiver, uh, for the first two years there. And then, then I started having children. Wow. <laughs> We're going to get into that. Um, so, so <laughs> I don't, well, we'll, we'll wait for a minute, but so, so, <clears throat> So you went to, and, and did you graduate? And what I did. You? So I, first I, um, you know, in the midst of my, my uh, first year of college, I lost my father unexpectedly. I was, I was 18 and I was um, uh, taken back a little bit by that. Obviously you're like, okay, now you're no parents. And what's interesting is, you know, I kind of went into, luckily he gave me a lot of my mindset and, you know, my, uh, work ethic. So I went into like, survive, you go into survival mode, but also right. not like a self pity. Why me? It was very much a, you know, what do I need to do now to, to get, you know, to keep myself on track, make the right decisions, you know, for me. And, and, uh, I became, I was a young father at age 19. And so I actually left William Penn college for a brief time and went to Atlanta, Georgia, where my uncle lived. And my uncle kind of said, I'll take you kind of under my wing and work for my company while you're in college. And I learned some really valuable lessons from, from, from my uncle because he was a successful entrepreneur um, in the Atlanta metro area. And so I moved down there briefly. And then that only lasted a, about a year. And I went back to, I, I found out I wasn't going to finish college there. The commute from where I was going, which was at the time, Kennesaw State College was just too far from where we lived on the wow. other side of the Atlanta metro. So I went back to Iowa and finished at William Penn College my last two years. Do you know um, I used to live in Kennesaw? Did you really? I did, yeah, I did not. I did not know that. Yeah. So we lived in Duluth. Oh, did you? That's well, a long commute to go to college. That is. Yeah. And I got That's in a, a car accident. Especially in that traffic. Yeah. I got in a car accident in that traffic and I had three other people in the car with me. And we were the seventh car in a seven car pile up. Uh, thank mm. goodness the car behind us missed us. And and uh, we everybody was fine and everyone in that, that, that accident lived. And Um, but it did shake, uh, shake me up a little bit and made me kind of rethink priorities. And I thought, you know, I, I want I need to finish college. At this point I was deciding to leave Kennesaw, but yeah, I, 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 there's just one thing I promised my father I would do. Uh, it was I'd finish school. So I went back to William Penn and I changed my major like three times. I started off as a computer programming major. Then I was a, uh, business major and I, I, uh, finished with a, uh, major in psychology, uh, and a minor in business and sociology. Wow. Yeah. So, so you, um, you see, so graduate college and, yep. um, you immediately 
open a psychology practice? <laughs> you know, that's, I love that you're asking this question. Most people don't know this about me. You're going to pry things out of my past that most people <laughs> just do not know. Um, I graduate go, college, and by the time I graduate college, I have two children. Uh, <sighs> I have two boys that are now 27 and 26, or 28 and 27. Oh my gosh, they're like 20 and 27 now. Yeah. Wow. So uh, <laughs> I'm losing track. So here I was, you know, I'm 20 at the time I was 21 or 22 and I'm graduating college and I have two sons. And uh, there was a gentleman in one of my classes that I got a chance to be um, part of my internship was to co-teach a psychology class on NLP, on neuro linguistic programming. And I had gotten my practitioner certification training over the summer um, with a grant paying for this month-long certification training that my psychology professor had written a grant request for from the college to fund this, which was about 10 grand for the two of us to go for the month. Wow. With the condition that we would come back to the college and teach, and I would co-teach with her kind of this NLP course for psychology students, what we learned. And I'm forever grateful for her for doing that because that really set a direction for me to have some continued learning beyond that. But we went, so I had a, so to answer your question, so I get out of college and one of the students in that class was a regional supervisor for the Department of Correctional Services for the Southeast Iowa District. And he hired me um, as a very young pre-sentence investigator for the Department of Correctional Services. And in the evenings I was teaching like or co-facilitating, I should say, not teaching, co-facilitating batterers classes for men who had beaten their wives. What? I thought my path was going to be working in correctional services, maybe as a probation officer. But then I started doing trainings for the probation officers. I ended up speaking at at the Iowa Conference for Probation and Parole, um, (laughs) teaching people how to to, uh, really use the, the communication and uh, influence strategies that NLP was teaching with their clients to read their read people better and yeah. better understand what makes them motivated and everything else. Because, you know, following that year, I went and got my master practitioner. Then I went and got my trainer training with Richard Bandler, the co-founder, and, um, yeah. and really went all in on that. A lot of people don't know that about me. Wow. And I taught that for years, but I did. So start, that, that- I started in corrections, man. I was interviewing felons. Dude, that is insane, man. So, so, so you work directly with Richard Bandler? Yeah, that's who Wasn't I got. Richard Brand- Bandler and Roger, uh, Ban- Ban- or, uh, Richard Bandler and John Grinder, who kind of there you go, coined yeah. the term neuro linguistic programming. Yeah. Yeah. But I was, so, I was, you know, while I was kind of learning it from a therapeutic and counseling standpoint, what intrigued me the most was the business applications of NLP. Right. And so I, I, I did something that was unique that, you know, I have a few moments in my history where I kind of reinvented myself. And this is, I don't know if anyone wants to really hear any of this stuff. Give me some marketing advice. Give me some. Well, no, here's here. Look, this is all about that because that's what this is about, dude. Yeah. It's about we have to learn how to read, especially right now. Yeah. So how to kind of reinvent like, yourself, right? Yeah. So I did it. I was I was uh, I was figuring out very quickly that there wasn't a lot of money in what I was doing. Um, I was getting paid as a kind of a contract pre-sentence investigator. I got paid per case. It wasn't bad money, 
But I'm like, man, I, I really believe, because I had worked in sales in college and also a little bit for my uncle. And I was very good at it. But now that I had kind of learned NLP and learned the psychology side of dealing with people and reading people, I'm like, I, I bet I could put together a sales training program and teach salespeople how to do this and charge them for it. And I just, I went to the Chamber of Commerce in, in Oskaloosa, Iowa, and I um, presented to them a workshop that I would do for all their businesses in their community. And I would encourage people to think about doing something like this now, not yeah. necessarily on my topic or of course, but pick your topic of where your expertise may lie. And right now is a great time to serve your community. And I thought, well, I'll serve the community by offering this for free, uh, meaning I don't need to be paid. I'll put together the workshop. I convinced the Chamber of Commerce I had something of value to teach by kind of showing them the outline of the topics I would go through. They they agreed that would be a little different than what's been shared in the community prior. I said, you, you, but you, could, you have to invite all your members and let's charge $15 so you guys make up, make some money to, to kind of re, maybe reimburse you for the, whatever room you end up renting. Or So they ended up navigating with the college, the local university, which was William Penn, where, where I went to college, for a room. So they had to pay for, for, the, for the location. And 72 people showed up. <laughs> and, what? And, and uh, from that, I got a client that said, I, I need you to come in and train my whole management team on how to apply this to coaching and motivating and, and managing their employees. And I'm young at the time, about 24, uh, 25 years old. And uh, I said, you know, I'll do that. And they paid me several thousand dollars for a three day kind of training workshop. I, I'm definitely probably undercharged them at the time, a company called Panel Components, which is probably still uh, in business there. And I, I ended up um, having a person that was at that event that ended up within a short period of time, becoming a recruiter for McLeod USA, which was a big telecom company back in 1996, giving you, giving you the context of the years now, who had, um, they were doing telecommunication services like a, like an MCI at the time. And yep. their competitor was MCI. Yeah. And they had a 14 state footprint, but there was a job opening for a sales trainer for this company at their corporate headquarters in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And, the, you know, salespeople from around the country that, or the 14 days would fly in for two weeks, two weeks of sales training. And I, um, she's like, I want to, you to apply and, and, and we're going to recruit you for the sales training position. And you're the only person that really hasn't had a lot of sales training experience, but I can tell from what you taught that, you know, that you have right. something to teach and you could bring something new to the curriculum. Right. And then I did. And that was how I kind of broke out of the path. I thought I was going to go down, which was counseling or, Corrections. Corrections. Yeah, a big switch. <laughs> working Dude. for prisons into sales training. I'm sorry? I said working for, for the prison system into sales training. Yes, correct, correct. Wow. Um, I, I, I went from interviewing felons who are awaiting their sentencing to recommend sentencing to the judge. Oh, my to, God. To now I'm in a suit and tie and people are coming in to learn sales training. And then I would get dispersed out into the field. And I went to Wisconsin um, a lot. And I went to Illinois and, 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 my, and, and we would go and like, go on, go out and go cold calling with sales reps to show them how to go get business and, yeah. and set appointments. So I was thrown into that, but that was my first, like, you know, a little bit bigger salary. And I was like, wow, this is the kind of the corporate world. I kind of envisioned I would be able to go into. Um, and at the same time, 
uh, I was struggling. I was uh, uh, on a personal life. I was going through a divorce already. Um, we were, I was, I had kids young and was married young, but we were also, you know, separated young and divorced young. And yeah. we're, we're, we're good friends today. She went on to have five, like five more children. And, uh, but um, uh, that might be a stretch saying good friends, but, you know, we, we were always amicable and, and yeah. got along. And, yeah. um, but, you know, we, we have a good relationship with our children, the two, the two, the two that we had together. And, but I was going through that at the same time. I was going through this switch in my career. Yeah. And, but that's how I got into corporate sales training. And that, that springboarded me into a, um, a sales training business of my own for like almost 10 years. So, <clears throat> wow, man. The, so I love Tony Robbins. Yeah. Talk about business application with NLP. I think he may have figured something out. So, well, can I share something about that? Yes, please bring him up. Um, so in, in 1991, um, I had my son Colton mm -hmm. and I had said to my uh, wife at the time, I said, listen, I'm, I'm in school, but I can schedule my, to try to get my schedule, my classes to be like later in the day and evening even. Therefore I could help stay up at night and, and maybe feed the baby. And then in the morning, I could sleep in and then go to the classes and then you can take over in the morning. Right. So every night I'm watching, uh, you know, TV at like three in the morning. because I'm feeding the baby and what's on TV at three in the morning in 1991, hey, Tony Robbins, Tony Robbins <laughs> and his personal power inner, you know, uh, yeah. infomercials. And then there was also, I also owned the food dehydrator for the beef jerky and <laughs> you know, all this other crap that you could see at on late night infomercial television. That's but funny. I couldn't afford his personal power tapes. I mean, we were yeah. we were essentially like we were on state help. Um, uh, a lot of people don't know this about me, but state help, uh, getting financial assistance. We were living in financial assistance, living while I was finishing college and working two part time jobs and trying to raise a boy and trying to play finish football that season. That was my second year. And uh, but I was at a mall one day and um just walking the mall, wasn't buying anything. We didn't have any money, but I saw Tony Robbins's on Awaken the Giant Within book in the window. And no kidding, Ken, I hadn't even read a book up until this point. I'm a sophomore in college and I basically, you know, found a way to buy cliff notes and not read a book through high school and college. Not one. I, right. There's no book I could admit that I read cover to cover until this point. And I said, I'm going to buy that book. And uh, I remember she said, it's, it's $25 for that book. We can't afford that book. And I said, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll spend it and I just won't eat for a week. Like, I don't care. Like I'm tired of seeing this guy's face and yeah. I can't afford his program, but there's something in his book. So I bought the book and it was the first book I ever read. And wow. I did what the book said to do. I wrote, I literally went, especially when it was right down and he, he categorizes your goals, spiritual, yep. personal, financial, et cetera in professional goals. And I, and I categorized them in a journal. And I wrote all this stuff down, much of which has turned true and beyond, but yeah. I wrote all this stuff down. And uh, the genius of Tony Robbins was that was his second book. And he called his technology, he still does neuroassociative conditioning, which was his renaming of NLP branding of NLP because yeah. he figured out that when people read unlimited power, or they went and read his first book, they wanted to seek out actual NLP training and then they wouldn't yeah. go to him. Right. So the second book, he's like, I'm going to fix that. Make sure everyone comes to me by <laughs> creating my and naming my own tech. Right. Right. Now, this is a lesson for everybody watching, because 
naming your product or naming your service or naming your process or giving a name to a framework of what you do, even if your system or your process or your expertise or your, you know, your philosophy or process for doing something isn't, you know, too, too unique, meaning maybe you put your own spin on it. That's yeah. enough to give yourself permission to name something and give it a framework, which all of a sudden differentiates you in the marketplace. I actually teach this to people who come to me as consultants and agency owners or entrepreneurs. And they say, how do I differentiate myself? And I say, is there anything that you do that we could name as your own, that we could give you your own framework for, that we can give you your own acronym for? And I had a coaching student recently do this. He had a kind of an online funnel process for the action sports industry is what he has, where he brings them, he brings, he has a giveaway process through landing pages, but then he captures their, their, their information through his chat bot. He collects all their data, their email, their phone number. And it basically is like a giveaway on steroids for when people are at an event, like a trade show, and they're trying to get people's, you know, they're trying to get leads. Right. And I said, what do you call this? He says, I, I call it, you know, kind of my, my engagement funnel. And I said, it's, but it's kind of an app on your phone when people are just um, scanning your QR codes. He said, yeah. And then he came up with the name. Well, it's, it's, like, a, it's like a lead engagement app. Um, and then we came up with the acronym Leah. And literally yesterday, I'm on a coaching call with him and he's wearing a sweatshirt that says Leah, L-E-A, for lead engagement app. And wow. it's, it's really not overly unique because most people would go, well, that's, most marketers would go, well, that's just kind of like an online sales funnel to capture leads. And it just does a few more things that's extra than what we're normally taught in funnels. Like let's add a chat bot on the thank you page and, and, yeah. and, and let's do prize notifications through Facebook messenger and so on. But it was enough to where he could come up with his own name. Now he has something that's proprietary to him that he that's can sell as a system to his clients at, rather than going, Oh, I have a funnel or I can build you a landing page. No, Dude, it, I, can, I, can, I can offer you Leah and Leah costs $3,500 to design and build her out, customized for you. Then you can use Leah on an ongoing basis and pay us a thousand bucks to manage it. <clears throat> and so it, 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 it's like it's revolutionized his business overnight. Dude, that's, and you said her. So you assigned, we can build yeah. her out. Yep. <laughs> you're, just, you're making her human. It's, I love isn't that. it amazing. So that's, wow. what, see, that's the point. That's what Tony Robbins did with NAC. Neuroassociative conditioning. Yep. He, he he said, "Well, if I call it NLP, they're all going to go study with Richard Bandler, which is what I did. Because what happened was I then bought Tony Robbins' sec other book, which was his first book, which was yeah. on the power. And he says, he says in that book, you know, he stood on the shoulder of giants, uh, you know, Richard Bandler and John Grigger. And I thought I'm going to go learn from them. There was also here's a really crazy side story. In that book, he also credits two other people for mentoring him. One was uh, besides Jim Rohn." He credits, yeah. um, <clears throat> it's in the acknowledgement section of Unlimited Power, if anybody wanted to look that up. But he says, thank you to Ken Blanchard and Wyatt Woodsmall. And Wyatt Woodsmall was the first um, certified master trainer of NLP by Bandler and Grinder. And he was Tony Robbins' mentor during his younger years. Wow. And he's the one that brought Tony into the army to do modeling of the sharpshooters that he talks about in his books and, and why it was the one that led that chart. They, they actually um, called it project Jedi, believe it or not. And, wow. and I found out recently um, this last fall and I have um, why it's like earlier NLP books, which are very therapeutic related. 
But I found out I was on the phone talking to another internet marketer. Um, and he says, you know why it was my mentor for 20 years. And he was also Joe Polish's. This is Evan Pagan. I was talking to, he says, he says, you know, Joe Polish, Jeff Walker, um, you know, some of the who's who's, you know, Joe, were, were all mentored by Wyatt, not just Tony Robbins. And I said, I know Wyatt because I'm an NLP trainer. He's like, oh, my gosh, do you realize he lives by you? And I said, what? what? And he said, he lives in Northern Virginia. Come to find out. he lives, Come to find out he lives 30 minutes from me. And oh we're creating an online NLP course together. Are you are you serious? I'm dead serious. Oh my god! Dude. Yeah. Not only that, he's speaking at Jeffrey Gittimer's upcoming now virtual summit two day yeah. summit, and Wyatt will be on that live stream uh, to talk. And he's uh, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to be giving away that. Info. I think he no, is he's on the page actually mentioned on the page. So it's not like I'm giving away secrets here. But he's he's uh, he's unbelievable. He's I, Jeffrey told me. Jeffrey said to me after meeting him, he said, Jeffrey Gittimer said, I've met a lot of really smart people, Joe, over the years um, and like genius level people. And this this guy takes the cake. His name's Wyatt. Wyatt Woodsmall. You'll see him on Jeffrey's page. So I, I, I'm just trying to tie in something that impacted me at a young age, reading that first book. Look how things come like really weird full circle. You know and, what I remember? I, and I have both of those books. I don't, I don't recall when I bought it and all of that, but I read, um, awaken the giant within what a great title. Um, great but, you title, know. and it definitely did that for me. I was going through it. This is also a lesson for people going through turbulent times right now, which yeah. most of us would say we are. And, and, and most certainly I'm impacted. Everyone's impacted. Who's listening and watching this at this time that we're watching it. Yeah. But at that time, I'm on like food stamps. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to put food on the table. I'm working two jobs part time, one for the college and then one for uh, like a record store, like a music land it was called on cue. And I'm trying to play football and I'm trying to be a father and a, and a, and a husband. And and and, um, and that book, you know, I, I would say was instrumental in me changing the direction of my life because I, I, I didn't know any better to not apply it. I'm like, this is new information to me and I'm just going to do this because I've been watching the infomercial. He's way more successful than I am. So he's figured something out. And right. I went really deep diving, obviously, in NLP. But that sprung board my belief system. Yeah. Okay. Now, I want everyone to understand this. This is what a book can do. Okay. You know, Jeffrey said on a, on, a, on, a, on a group call with us, he and I are teamed up doing you know, this mastermind, as you know, together. And he yeah. said, you know, pick up a damn book, like read a book. And a book can, can genuinely change your life if you apply that knowledge. Knowledge by itself is powerless, but knowledge applied, wow. So yeah. I, 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 really, I, I really wanted to share with people that you, know, you, you can decide, right? It, it is, it, it, once I, this is what I realized because back then, Ken, I, I went from a state of mind of kind of why me, lost my father young, like why, why am I parentless? Like why does this happen to me? And, and um everything I, I really felt the world would be better if everybody else would change. <laughs> so, <laughs> it doesn't work that way. And so then when I realized the the concept, and it really it's a concept, it's a mindset of self-responsibility. And I had a mentor of mine who was training me in NLP. Um, this was uh, another NLP trainer who was training me at one of Bandler's seminars. And he said, when you learn how to get out of your own way, Joe, this is going to get a whole lot easier because right now, your blame frame is on everyone else. It's external. It's the circumstances yep. is causing this to happen to me. Um, yeah. And, you know, Jeffrey said something brilliant on our mastermind call the other day. It says resilience defined 
is how you react, respond, and recover. And you know, first you're going to react, then you got to figure out how you're going to respond, and then you got to figure out what's your recovery plan. And so for me, I responded to that situation with deciding to just be responsible for anything that happened to me. I'm like, you know what? I, I can't. I couldn't. I couldn't have stopped my father from passing away or my mother at a young age. I couldn't. I can't stop the fact that we got pregnant sooner than we originally we thought we would. And you know, but now I it's my choice on how I want to respond to this and also what I want to do to recover, which is right. the next step. So for me, I it gave me it shifted my belief system to where I'm like, you know what? If if who no one's here to tell me that I can't do this. So I'm going to act as if I can until someone tries to prove otherwise, and I'll do my best to prove that I can. And and I did that. And that that's I think that's how I got my the jobs I got out of college. I think that's how I got uh, in, I got insert when I went from I went from McLeod and spent 18 months with a corporate training company. They recruited me away from McLeod actually in 1998, and said and and I interviewed to be a corporate training manager for the largest credit and collection company in Iowa. And I'll never forget. Um, being there with a panel of, ma of managers that are on the executive team and the CEO, and the CEO says to me, you're the youngest person that would be on this executive team. Why would we hire you? And I said, because a lot of people have, you know, 30 years of experience of doing something poorly year after year after year. And I think what little experience I have is of doing it well. And you can look at the track record of what little it is and see that I'm on, you know, I'm headed to a true north. I'm project my, my, tra I'm tra my trajectory is, always been up and I can continue that here working for your company. And he loved uh, that I, answer. I, I, but I that was my belief. That was my belief. I genuinely believed it. Now I was a little naive, but I believed it. Dude, I did I worked for for the largest collection agency in the world. Wow. In sales. NRC, National Revenue Corporation. They yeah, were the largest I know them. <laughs> yeah. I was a I was a regional manager. I got to that level, but that is a tough gig. Yeah, like, it that, is. But that but I wasn't there very long and I, I left there to start my own training company. And yeah. um, I was going to do some credit and collections training. I actually rewrote their entire training curriculum Wow! for how they would collect money on the phone, doing it in a much different way. Um, it, it was, I really saw it as a softer, nicer, more respectable persuasion process on the phone versus manipulation, trapping people, you know, and, and, and using, you know, really kind of harsh tactics that the collection agency was known for. And years later, I met Bill Bartman. I'm not sure if you know who he is, but he tried to kind of reform the, the collection agency and we both saw eye to eye on this. And, but I, I left there and it springboarded my training business and career. And that's, that's from really 1999 um, on is, is when I, uh, started doing, you know, my own trainings for companies, colleges, you know, big and big companies to, to small businesses and um, anybody who had a sales team. And, and, and that was a tough gig because now I'm an entrepreneur and I don't know what the hell yeah. I'm doing. I thought, hey, you just hang up a shingle. Hey, I'm a sales trainer and everyone's <laughs> going to hire you. <laughs> Doesn't work that way. No, there's so much more to it. You have to also be a marketer. So you you did the you did that for ten years. Did you hit any really high levels of success with it? Yeah, I I did. I had um I had multiple years earning uh really healthy six figure incomes. Um, I ended up taking in two thousand and one. I mean, my timing was impeccable. In two thousand and one, uh, I contracted with a company in uh, New York um, to head up their. Um, 
sales training, uh, revamping a new curriculum that was a publishing company doing custom publishing on 42nd and Vanderbilt, right next to Grand Central Station. That building's now being rebuilt, which is crazy. Wow. But um, back in 2001, when I took that, it was a month before 9-11. <laughs> and I moved to New York. I know I'm going to be with this company for a while. 9-11 happens. And, uh, you know, it was it was, uh, you know, very similar to what's going on now, but in a very condensed area of the world there, although everyone was affected and impacted. Um, my timing wasn't so good, but at this end of the day, that taught me a mindset that I'd like to share with everyone right now, which was, it put me, I learned something. I, I learned that during nine 11, you know, you could, again, you could, you could go and hide in a corner and protect yourself, or you can do what I saw leaders doing at the time, which was embracing what I call self-leadership and figuring out how to be a role model to your family, to your community, um, to your clients, to your business associates in a, in a time of need. And so the focus went off of me. I didn't know a lot of people in New York at the time. I'd only been there a month, but I went into the mindset of, and, 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 uh, of service and said, how can we serve our clients? How can we serve people? No one's gonna be buying advertising or publishing advertising at the time. We were selling like full page ads in these magazines. And um, so we started volunteering efforts to unload trucks and to help out where we could in the, in the community and the areas that needed, needed help. I did that for almost three weeks. Wow. And we went into to the servant's mindset. And so I, I share this now because, you know, in my business, um, um, you know, I have a consulting and marketing advisory firm, but I also do online education and courses for people who want to be their own digital marketing consultant or have their own agency business. And I have, you know, hundreds and actually thousands of students that um, I've taught online. And my message to them recently is, listen, this is a time to go over and above for your customers. Right. This is a time to figure out, you know, even more out of the box thinking and, and be, get innovative with them. And, and let's figure out how you can help them and, and serve them and, and go beyond what they're paying you or have you on retainer for or or, you know, if, if they need to pause, they need to pause. But the way that you keep your clients is by showing them that you actually give a crap, you know, that you're actually care enough to see this through with them and that you're a partner with them and that you have ideas for, for them that can help them where they're kind of stuck inside of fear um, or, they're, or they're trying to figure out or they're fearing the worst of their business and it's paralyzing them. And so you got to be that voice of opportunity and encouragement and also just bringing what your expertise should be bringing, which is ideas and new, new things for them. You know, I saw, a, um, there's a local business here locally to us. And I consulted with this gentleman uh, a couple of years ago in his business. He's since expanded another location. He's got a, uh, a restaurant and bar now just six miles from where I live. Wow. And he's never done deliveries before. And um, in fact, you there's no takeout either. It's a bar and restaurant that you just come in, sit, either sit the bar, it's like a sports bar. And yeah. you know what? He said, I listened and he's on social media doing Facebook lives. And he said, I listened and you know, we're going to do curbside pickup and we're going to deliver to your door now. Like that's the type of flexibility and, 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 and uh, you know, being that nimble in, in this time is that it takes, but you know, there's so many businesses being impacted and, 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 and right now that we may need to partner up to, to figure out those ideas together. So not here to preach on how to handle the situation. I, just here to share that that's where my, my servant mindset came from, which was when that crisis happened in 9-11, I went into overdrive. You, you, you know, along the way here, you, um, 
I, I don't know that uh, a lot of people know this, and I I don't know the full story, but I've heard rumor that you are the reason Ty Lopez is famous. Yeah, that's not the case. Um, oh, <laughs> I, I'll tell you this, Ty. Had you, a very- you know, you know, Ty Ty. That's what that's what Grant calls him. Grant Cardone says Ty Ty. Yeah. So, but you know him, right? Yeah. So Ty Lopez, um, in two thousand and six. Um, had he, his business was already doing like 40 million in sales or whatever. So he was already, um, already growing. I mean, today, I mean, he, last year they bought dress barn, him and his partner, Alex, and they are closing down. I think it's like 400 locations and they're turning it into an online e-commerce business only. Um, recently I saw he was also going to be buying another company, um, which was, um, blue apron, which is the, the wow. food delivery company. So, yeah. you know, his entrepreneurial efforts have really taken him into these other places, but obviously it takes money to invest in, to be able to invest yeah. and buy those companies and those businesses. And if you rewind it to 2016, uh, Ty and I collected are connected and he did a little research and background on, on the fact that I had started my agency at the time, six years prior. Right. And I'd already had hundreds of clients from around the world and a lot of well-known speaker, author clients, people like Jeffrey Gittimer were my clients back in 2010, 2011, Harvey McKay and, and some of these other people. And so he did some digging and he said, listen, I'm creating an online course to teach people how to become social media agency owners. And he called it social media marketing agency, SMMA. It was his acronym that became quite famous. He says, would you like to be one of the lead trainers for it? And we'll fly you in and you can help create some of these lessons in the curriculum. And I, you know, they didn't have any more guidance for me than that. They're like, whatever you want to teach. So I taught a little bit of like how to get clients on Facebook all the way to how to find clients and, and everything in between. And I had had a lot of success um, with a few very specific types of campaigns. And in particular, I was one of the few people back in 2011 and 12 and 13 and 14 and 15 that was yeah. really figuring out how to use Facebook and, and social media to run a giveaway and a, and a contest. Um, a lot of people were doing giveaway and contests. I was the, one of the first few people that figured out how to do it to, to build your email list very quickly. Yes. Like yes. the stuff we That's talked about. That. Yes, we did. It was, you know, I think it's a shame to run any type of contest or giveaway where you're not collecting at least, you know, a few hundred or thousand names and email addresses. I learned this. I actually learned this by experimenting with my wife's business. So she has a business called Girly Boutique, B-O-W. And she sells headbands and hair bows um, from home. Uh, She's done over a million dollars in sales in the lifespan of her business, which started in 2012. And she, she, um, uh, gave me permission to market experiment with her on social media. And we ran a giveaway one time of like, uh, I think it was like a hundred hair bows that somebody could win. And yeah. I built, you know, a funnel, a landing page where people would enter the win on the landing page and enter their email address. And then we use a very specific Facebook strategy to do this. But, you know, within like three days and about a hundred bucks, we had collected over 3000 email addresses. And Hold it. Explain what? real fast what a funnel is for people listening that yeah, don't. Because so, you know, a funnel would just simply be, um, you know, you, you when you opt into something for free or you give your email address to enter a contest and it takes you to a thank you page. And that thank you page um, could be an upsell to another product, could be, you know, maybe buy this and won't you add this to your product, to your product shopping cart? Or it could be 
just a thank you page that points you into another direction, which in our case, the thank you page said, okay, thank you for you know um, entering to win. Here's a 20% discount code. If you use it before midnight on Friday on anything in our online store or some sort of crazy irresistible offer. And yeah. so we, we drove, we, we built a big list and we drove a lot of sales through this giveaway and we started to refine those giveaways. And so when I was at Ty Lopez's in 2016, teaching this, at, at had, his house, I had a couple of lessons at Ty's house I was doing. Yep. In, in LA on how to use Facebook advertising to grow your email list by leveraging giveaways and contests. That was one of the like 20 lessons I did in that course. By the way, that course that I created with, with Ty and that, that Ty rolled out, he brought in some other trainers and other speakers that did really well too. But um, that, that, that course ended up doing over $40 million in sales. <laughs> um, little did we know and or anticipate starting it. Um, and yeah, so that is, was definitely, I, I learned I learned every year thereafter that that was the most successful online course Ty ever created. Um, so I'm not the secret behind his success. I just added to it in probably a pretty big way because not because I added to the money and the, and the revenues that came in in those course sales, but because his team was sitting in the room recording me and his marketing team was in there and their light bulb went off back in 2016. They're like, we're not really doing any giveaways or contests with Ty. So he started giving away cars, iPads, yeah. iPhones, money. He still does this today. I don't. I think there's very few people that do contests and giveaways better than Ty does on his Instagram and, and Facebook. And I would encourage people to pay attention and not get caught up or lost in whether you like Ty Lopez or not. That's right. actually, whether you like any influence or not, what strategies are they using that captures right. the attention of the market? And how could you maybe use that for your business in a way that aligns with your values? That's yeah. how I look at anybody we're going to learn from. You know, yeah. I'm, you know, some people go, I'm not a fan of Tony Robbins. And I said, listen, whether you're a fan of Tony Robbins or not, doesn't matter. There are strategies and things that he, he did and uses that we could model and extract like the renaming of his of the technology that really is NLP. So, wow. does that make sense? Dude, uh, wow. I'll stop here and let you ask, cause I'll, I'll keep going. But that's I, how I met Ty and, and that turned into other courses that we've done together. And uh, I've, I've been a guest speaker at his mastermind events. And now, you know, he's parlayed a lot of that business into now his new entrepreneurial ventures and knowing Ty and he's got a farm down here in Virginia. Yeah. yeah he, <clears throat> he, loves, um, he loves entrepreneurship. To, to tell the story, if you can, about didn't you uh, the first time you met him, didn't you like drive out to his farm or something? No, the first time I met him was at his house when I, in 2015. Oh. But, oh. Um, he bought a farm about uh, now, maybe two years ago in Southern Virginia. OK. And okay. it's like a 120 acre or more. I, maybe it's bigger than that. Even. It's huge. It's, he's got he's got a, he's got a cattle ranch. He's got. He's raising chickens and, and there's <laughs> organic eggs and <clears throat> it's a kind of an organic. He's doing um, he's doing like beef sticks in a box delivered to your home and you can get on auto ship for this. He's got he really he loves farming and it's because he actually lived I think it's for two years with the Amish when he was much here in Ohio and uh, I think it was in um wasn't it here in Ohio? It might have been in Ohio. I it think it was. Yeah, it might have been in Ohio, and uh, either Ohio or Pennsylvania. And he he kind of learned, you know, farming and and 
respect for the land, if you will. So he really loves that. He, when I saw him on his farm, I'm like, he's actually really in his element here. It's, it's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting how um, how different he is, you know, behind the scenes. He's actually very introverted. Yeah. Uh, but his social yeah. media would would show otherwise. Unlike Grant Cardone, who's very extroverted. <laughs> Grant Grant's Grant is is um, actually a little introverted, believe it or not. He so. has some introverted traits too. Well, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. But so, and he's I've heard him say it too. I've, and yeah. I've been around him, so could be why um, they get along so well. Those two. Yeah, my we have we actually have a couple of Amish um, clients, and they have pictures with Ty at their farm. Oh, very cool. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so, okay. So man, we just covered a lot of ground, but I, you know, I'm trying to, I think what I'm trying to do here is I want to pinpoint your genius because even though you won't admit that you're a genius, I think you are. And so we're going to roll with that. So, so You've you've been able to like when you sat and 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 I I was in the the hot seat there with you and Jeffrey Gettimer and and the the mastermind group. You were able to first off you were able to see that I have a huge ego and and you navigated that well. Everyone, we all do. We all you know. <laughs> so, Sometimes but but so we had to drink our own Kool Aid once in a while for self confidence. But anyway. Just tell the story about the coffee because I I couldn't repeat it exactly to my wife. I was trying to repeat it and I could. I'm like, never mind. I'll, I'll have Joe tell you someday. So tell the story about the coffee. I, I will. It's a short one, and it's it's it is easy for most people to to grasp. Um, I was uh, when I, again. This was when I was at one of my NLP retreats, and and uh, the trainer said to me, it was the same conversation that I had where he said, "Get out of your own way." Right. But he said, Joe, and, and this was, um, we were talking about how to respond to criticism or feedback um, and how to take feedback and how not to take things personally. Right. And that's where the conversation was around. So if anybody listening has ever asked themselves, like, I kind of, you know, how do I take things not personally? Or maybe you know somebody who takes things personally. Well, I know in my business, a lot of clients can take things personally. They got big egos and I've got to somehow get them in the frame of mind where they're going to listen to my feedback, my advice. And even though they hire us, sometimes they don't listen. Right. And I also know that when you're coaching people, which is why I shared it with you, Ken, and everybody else, you have to kind of open their mind up first. So they put their guard down to be receptive to what yep. could be life-changing insight at times. And when I learned this, it changed my life. I actually think it saved my marriage. I mean, I'm happily married now. I got remarried and we went on to have, uh, um, my wife and I have uh, seven kids in the home now that are 16 and under. <laughs> um, we didn't hit that part. We didn't fast forward to. We, we, we were going to. <laughs> my wife and I have uh, seven kids in the home. Uh, or, um, uh, yeah, and it's just, it's amazing. But here's the story. So he said, Joe, let me help you for the rest of your life with giving you an analogy. I said, what's the analogy? He says, would you like to know how you know when you have a good marriage? I said, that seems random. I said, yeah, I would love to know. I said, I, I, at the time I was recently divorced. I said, I would love to know. Well, how you have know seven you kids. Married. Trust me. Our marriage is great. <laughs> well, that's, but that's how you started. Would you like to know how yeah. you know if you have a good marriage? And he says, okay, here's how you know. He says, when the, the wife comes downstairs in the morning uh, into the kitchen, the husband's already down there and he's, he's, um, you know, sitting at the table and maybe reading the newspaper, 
reading a book. And uh, he goes, the roles can be reversed, but for the sake of this example, the wife comes down and she makes a pot of coffee and she hands him a cup of coffee that she pours. And he takes a drink of the coffee and he looks at her and he says, oh man, this, this coffee is awful. And the wife knows he's talking about the coffee. And he just kind of looked at me when he said that. I said, okay, so let me see if I got this straight. I said, um, so there's a couple ways that the wife could respond. If, this, if she knows it's about the coffee, then her response might be, hey, I'll make you another cup. Maybe it's a bad roast. And maybe, um, you know, maybe it was sitting out. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I poured too much water in it and it's, it's not strong enough. Um, we'll figure it out. But she knows he's talking about the coffee. The bad marriage, that's the good marriage. The bad marriage is, well, make your own coffee next time. Or, you know, well, you should just be happy I made you a cup of coffee. Or, you know, maybe you should have got up and made a cup of coffee, a pot of coffee for me. And right. she takes it personally. And, you know, that really sank with me because now I'm like, wow. So if it's about the coffee, you keep it about something that isn't personal. And so I would actually go into clients and do this, Ken. I would say, listen, I have a lot, a lot of things I want to talk about because I've kind of audited your marketing. I've gone through your business um, and I have some suggestions, some feedback. And I would tell them the coffee story. And I would say, just so you guys know, everything I'm going to share with you is about the coffee. And they'd go, they, it puts it in a frame that they can make sense. They can understand. So I do it with coaching people, with coaching clients as well. So that way they put down the walls and they go, it's just about the coffee. So now it's a running, it's not really a running joke. It's a, it's a way we live our life. My and wife and I, my wife and I will, if we get into any type of like argument where it wasn't about each other and it's not to be taken personal, she'll say, hold on, honey, it's about the coffee. <laughs> right. Okay. okay. Or before I say something, I'll say, listen, this is about the coffee. But I really did not like the way you prepared the green beans this evening. <laughs> but uh, but we know what will happen. Or she'll I'll be like I'll be like you know in my office, and she'll and she'll say something like, "The trash didn't go out last night and got missed this morning," and, and then I'll be like, "Well, I was busy and I was tired. I went to bed early." And she'll just send me a, a, a an emoji of a cup of coffee. Like <laughs> I'm just letting you know the garbage is going to stack up. This isn't about you. Don't have that to go into defense awesome. mode. We, what's our tendency, Ken? We go into defense mode. We start yeah. we start justifying or blaming versus going yeah. about the coffee. Dude, and, and you honestly, did that. right now, this country is having a hard time keeping it about the coffee. Amen. Wanting dude. to blame political sides or wanting to put the, put, you know, it, right now it's about the coffee. So let's just yeah. protect ourselves in the best way we can and, and put ourselves in a frame of mind where we can keep it about the coffee and keep positive. And you did that, you know, you did that and it was, it was brilliant because you would, you would go through, um, we were talking about things on my website or doing a funnel and this and that. And, and, and you would always go, you did it several times talking. You were like, remember, this is, this is the coffee. This yeah. is the coffee. Because it's not so, about you. I, here's, not. here's actually where the belief stems from when you, to support the, it's about the coffee analogy is that. Um, I believe every people do the best they can with the resources that they have. Yeah. And in other words, they don't, you don't know what you don't know. So we can learn from everyone. And, right. and it's hard to learn from anyone. If you think you, you've got to justify anything that you you've done or created or produce. And um, because then you'll just look for validation yeah. versus genuine feedback. And it's sometimes hard to make it about the coffee. I mean, I've, we had another gentleman that was there, as you recall, and um, you know we were 
torching his logo, his brand identity. And this was very personal to him because his brand was yeah. something he came up with. He felt like he loved. He was very attached to it. It was hard for him to make it about the coffee and not to take it personal. And you could see him working through that during the entire coaching session. And he came out the other side with this. One. He actually called it an intervention. He says, <laughs> it was awesome. So, um, so, you know, and, and, and I know we want to try to keep this around an hour. Um, and, uh, and I want to respect your time, but we do, there's so many other things we could talk. I could have you on literally once a week or once every day. We'll definitely and, do this again. You know, here, here's, you know, a lot of people right now, especially, and I think that the timing of you being on, even though this has been booked for a while now, um, the timing of it is somewhat serendipitous, um, because people right now, are freaking out. And there are people that, you know, I have an appointment in 26 minutes with the vice president of a ginormous company that was referred to me this morning. And guess what they want to learn how to do? They, they communicate with dentists, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of dentists and they want to learn how to do live streaming. And I happen to be an expert. Yeah. At that. So, um, you know, People are really in the midst of, uh, and and just just like you live in like a seventy thousand square foot home or something now, right? <laughs> I'm Not kidding. quite, but it is a much bigger home than what I grew up in. Yeah, right. You said not quite, but but so. I mean, you're doing well, is my point. Like really, really well. The course you did with Ty Lopez has done $40 million in, in, in revenue. Is that correct? Is it that what had what that, what that did for me uh, was um, I didn't charge him for that course. What it did for me was it earned me a following. Oh, and yeah. I parlayed the following and, and the people that came to me because they enjoyed learning from me. And then I came out with my own online courses and uh, you know, my, my first one, I was very fortunate Um uh, between my first two did, you know, seven figures without really spending any money on advertising because of that earned, you know, group of people that were coming to me to learn beyond Ty Lopez. There's what my wife has to say about you. And and she's, she's a thousand. Oh, nice for her. Yeah. We, we, owe, we, we owe you a steak dinner. I'm not buying for all of your kids though. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I would love I'm to get together sometime. Yeah. But, you know, so, so everybody is, is, you know, we're, we're in, in panic mode. I told you before, um, before this, that we had this thing last night with Glenn Morshower and yeah. Joe Ingram, who's on here right now. He was on that last night and, um, uh, some uh, amazing people, Bob Donnell and, 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 you know, we're, trying to calm people down because when you're in panic mode, nothing good is going to happen for you. Would you agree with that? I agree. Um, for sure. I mean, it's, again, this is about how you respond and recover. Right. Right. And you know what fear it fear is an interesting thing because fear tends to, you know, obviously come very quickly when you're in uncertain times. Yeah but there's a couple of things I remind people of is that a lot of times fear comes when you're focused on yourself. Like if you're, if your home is burning down tomorrow and your kids were inside, would you think two seconds to run in and get the kids? No. Even if it was burning down. 
No. You need to figure I, out how to get in there and get your kids out, right? Right, exactly. You, you, you're, you're, you wouldn't have the flight response. You'd have the fight response, right? Right, right. You wouldn't, you wouldn't, the fear, you wouldn't have time to be fearful because you, you're not focused on you. You're focused on them. Right. So focusing right. on, you know, I hate to say it, but yeah, focus on yourself for health. Focus on everybody else for how you could serve them, contribute, be a leader, be a role model. And yeah. then it's hard to be fearful. Because your focus is, it's like, you know, this actually is what I give, tell people who are afraid to call on clients. I'm like, are you kidding me? First of all, it's your obligation to call on them if you know you can help them. Number two, number two, you being fearful is because you're worried about how you're going to feel if they reject you or they don't want to do business with you. And it's all about you. But if it's all about them, like, you know, you could get them from point A to point B and you know, you genuinely can help them then you owe it to them to reach out, make it about them and focus. And then you won't be so fearful. You'll take action. So that's number one is learn how to manage that fear by changing your focus. And then number two, um, I've been sharing with people is to use this time. Don't waste this time on watching the media and binge watch or don't waste this time. Ben watching when Ben watching the media, use this time to do some of the things that you haven't, you've put off maybe for self-development and personal growth and professional development. This is the time to, to up level your own skill sets and to get, better or maybe get into a new area that you didn't think of in 2008 um, my training business that i talked about which yeah was doing very well up until that point 2008 everything kind of crashes it's kind of the recession was hitting yeah. 2009 i pivoted and i um had a client that i was helping with sales copy on his website i was starting to learn internet stuff and how to do sales copy because i'm trying to figure out what to do when people wouldn't hire me for sales training i uploaded right. my skills by up-leveling leveling my skills, I learned online copywriting and marketing. And I had a client say to me, listen, would you be willing to, to manage? What He says, what do you know about social media? This is what he asked me. True story, <laughs> end of 2009. I said, I know a lot about you know, social media. I'm kind of learning the whole online marketing game the last couple of years. Some of that was a little bit of a stretch of, the, of how much I really knew. But he said, would you be willing to manage our social media for us? Because they were a new upstart company. Um, and we just pay you like a monthly fee to manage it and take it off our hands. And I Meanwhile, was, all you knew was MySpace, right? Well, we knew MySpace, LinkedIn. I had had a Facebook account, um, and I and I knew blogging was important for businesses at that time. So I was encouraging them to blog. But um, I'm like, listen, we'll blog for you. We'll post on LinkedIn for you, or Facebook, or Twitter. Oh, Twitter was big. Um, yeah. And we'll update your MySpace, and he's like, we'll, "We'll pay you to do it." And he, it was like a small fee, like five hundred dollars a month. Yeah, but that's what changed my mind. Of like, I remember that this time the economy's tanking. No one's hiring me for sales training. I got at the time I had six kids total, and uh, I'm like, "Wow, this is gonna take a toll on my finances if I let this prolong." And that what happens is people get paralyzed, and then they, their ships while well, their ships sinking. Instead yeah. of what do I need to do to get myself out of this somehow or be ready to be coming out the other side of this, excelling, ready to go? Like you don't want to like come out the other side of this and be sputtering. So I said, I want to be really well prepared when we come out of this. So I, I looked for the opportunity in the midst of this. And I said, I think a lot of businesses right now who are trying to get better and trying to grow are going to be wanting to have help on social media. And so in 2010, I get my LLC. And I said, we're going to manage people's social media marketing for them. I didn't know any other agencies that were doing this at the time. 
Wow. Other agencies were helping with advertising and like regular advertising, but like yeah. ad agencies, but no one was really doing much social media management. They were doing like social media advising. All the yeah. social media companies in Des Moines were like, we'll be like your strategy partner. And we were like, no, you can just outsource it to us. Wow. And that was new, that part. And yeah. four months later, five months later, we had like 70 clients. And paying us on a monthly basis and it kept growing. It grew to seven figures in its first year. Um, clients all around the country. Jeffrey Gittimer became a client. We worked with him and his team and a lot of other speaker authors as we went into bigger businesses. Yeah. But, um, I had a friend of mine come over to me. We were, we were the front of the Des Moines Business uh, Journal and Des Moines Business Record. And, and he says, um, Joe, you're the sales training guy. <laughs> and I just saw you in the front cover of the newspaper as you know your new starting this new social media company, right? And um, he's like, "What? What are you doing?" I said, "Well, he says, aren't you? You're just a sales training guy, right?" I said, "I'm the social media guy now." He said, "What do you mean?" I said, "I just declared myself to be a social media expert like overnight." And he's like, "You can't do that." I said, "I get it." And I now we have a lot of clients who look to me for social media advice who never knew I ever had a sales training company. Dude, wow. I, I totally pivoted and that both have served me because I, I, I still do sales advising and sales training, but it really, it's um, been digital marketing ever since. So, you know, don't let anyone tell you, you can't pivot or shift gears in mid-career. <laughs> you can do you can. You can. Absolutely. You can. And, Absolutely. and I think, you know, look, the, the even doing the line, online education was a pivot for me, Ken. I, right. That was new for me. Right. I had after I did Ty Lopez's course, it still hadn't dawned on me to do my own online courses. I right? can totally relate. And in 2017, someone said, Joe, why aren't why don't you have your own courses? I said, I, I guess I didn't really thought about being an online educator. And I said, Okay, I'll create a course. And I did it. And I did it with an iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can relate. Jennifer, Jennifer Gittimer is the reason that I created one. She's like, why don't you have a course? And I'm like, yeah, I've thought about that. You know, I, I help you know, a lot. Here's the message for everyone. You don't really need somebody else's permission like Ken and I did or thought we did. You right. just have to give yourself permission and go, it's okay. No one gave me permission to do the social media agency. Um, I'm really grateful that it did. It allowed me to speak at a lot of conferences. I spoke at over 30 events for Jeffrey Gittimer. Um, that's how we originally kind of formed our relationship. And, you know, you fast forward, you know, uh, seven, eight years, and now we're partnered together doing collaborative work. So, and you've, haven't you worked with Russell Brunson and, or have you spoken at Russell's? Event? So I was, I was, um, one of 20 people selected in 2000, uh, the end of 2018 as, um, one of the international speakers for ClickFunnels. So wow. I flew out uh, and spent time with Russell and his team um, in uh, at the corporate headquarters of ClickFunnels, learning how to kind of speak the message of ClickFunnels for large audiences. Yeah, that entire program didn't really take off. It was really created with the intention that Russell wouldn't have to speak at some of the larger conferences because he's trying to change how he spends his time. Um, yeah. I also saw that pulling me away too much from my own brand and. So we didn't do much more beyond that. But um, I'm a huge fan of, of ClickFunnels. We use ClickFunnels for all of our clients. I'm an affiliate for ClickFunnels. It's, like, it's the only company I'm an affiliate for. I think I've been an affiliate for one other product um, in, over the years. So I don't, I don't promote or affiliate for a lot of, a lot of people or products. But I do believe in that mission and what they're, what, they're, what they're doing and how they made a lot of online marketing easier. I think people should own their books. Um, yeah. 
but uh, but yeah, so he's he's one of the people that I've also had an opportunity, to, and I've I've worked a lot with his team and the people in his team and a lot of the speakers. Um, they're doing incredible things. Here's a, here's a funny story. There's a book called um, Irresistible Offer. It was the it was uh, it was the first time that really the the words were ever used in a book title. I think he might have actually coined it. Mark Joyner, who's an internet marketer, wrote the book Irresistible Offer back in like 2006 or seven. And I mean, it should be on every marketer's bookshelves, in my opinion, because he was the. He was, it's like how to sell to a thirsty audience in three seconds or less was the subtitle or something like that. But he had sent that because he had a background in NLP and I had my persuasion training and sales training business. He sent me a, a preview copy of the irresistible offer to write a testimonial for in the book. And in that book, um, I had the longest testimonial in the book. It's like, so I can't believe you published the whole thing. You like just put the whole blurb inside the book. And right below mine is Russell Brunson's. And before he ever owned ClickFunnels or even dreamed of ClickFunnels. And wow. uh, because back then he was still trying to figure out, um, you know, maybe what his next pivot was. So um, it's interesting to see how, you know, different people over the years have evolved or changed or grew into different businesses. So at the time I was just doing sales training and ended up getting into digital marketing. Dude, you are a just rock star, man. Like I, I, I'm, I'm honored to call you a mentor and a friend and, and I, I'm and you're that for people that are on here watching or listening and people who will be watching this maybe for years to come. So I, yeah, um, I'm just I'm as gonna, grateful to be on here with you, Ken. I'm, I'm going to boost this on, on my page, man. Cause it, people need to hear this. You're a rock star where, and where's the best place, um, MySpace, the best place to follow you or <laughs> MySpace. Um, you know, uh, we were, it's funny that we were getting paid for MySpace. Instagram wasn't even invented when we started our agency. That's, That's how old we are. are. Um, that, that even Ty would call me the OG of social media because it was so long ago. We, I was on a webinar in 2010 with Gary V when he had, was just really rock in the wine library and, and uh, seeing where his trajectory. So I, I look at people like that and I go, I have a long way to go, man. I, I'm still learning like the rest of us and we're all climbing a, the same mountain, but we all have to look forward and, and be positive. So yeah. I, um, yeah, people can find me on joesoto.net. Um, they can find me on my Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash joesoto page. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. joesoto page. Yeah. Um, and you can find me on all the channels. I'm at Joseph Soto on Instagram. Um, that's probably the, the, that's the insight into my personal life. I'm on Instagram and, and, uh, and LinkedIn. I'm on all of them. So connect with me all those places. Dude, you rock. I, 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 you have courses. I know if, are those all, are, are they linked from joesoto.net? Yeah, they're, they're, they are. Um, okay. so there's free online trainings on there. A lot of online trainings just pitch the courses, my online trainings, while there might be an offer to buy a course at the end, the actual training I can promise everyone who watches is valuable. If, if you're looking to, you know, be, be an agency owner or a digital consultant or pivot into that world, yeah. then that could be a really val valuable opportunity for you. Um, I also have, you know, mentorship programs I do for entrepreneurs that others are people who aren't just, uh, agency owners and marketers that, and that's, um, uh, an opportunity where people can connect with me and, and ask me about it and I can send them some private information. I don't make it a lot of that public. Wow. Dude, thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, no, thanks for having me on here, Ken. This is awesome. Uh, you, hey, you're pulling my history and my background out. I don't share that openly on anything. 
I love it, man. I love it. Um, you're invited to join us tonight. It's at nine o'clock tonight, but, uh, get on with, um, Glenn Morshower and, and, um, it's going to be, it'll, he, well, you said you spoke with him at a, or he was one of the speakers. I didn't get a chance to spend personal time with him, but he spoke, I think the later in the day of, I spoke earlier in the day. He spoke later in the day. Okay. Um, I got to see his presentation. I'm not sure if he saw mine, but, um, my presentation was called uh, the um, Seven Magic Sales Questions, and we that was a conference called SAM, where it was much like a TED Talk, where you can only get you got twenty minutes to do your talk. It was twenty minutes, and uh, he blew it out of the water in those twenty minutes. He was amazing, and so I'm excited to see Glenn on here, and I'll do my best to get on here and join you guys. That dude, it'd be awesome. I appreciate I, everybody being on here. Pamela just said thanks. Yeah. Appreciate um, all of you. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Thank you guys. Thank you to everyone who's watched this, shared it out, everything else. Joe, thank you so much, man. Honored to call you a friend, man. Yeah. I and I thank you, Ken. And, and God bless you for doing this show and you're doing it during turbulent times. And, and, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm excited that you're, you're keeping it things positive and bringing, you know, powerful stories out, out to the world. And thanks for driving, getting, pulling mine out, extracting mine out of me. Thank you. <laughs> it's awesome. Don't hang up on me yet. You I'm going to end live stream. Thank you guys. And we will see you all tomorrow. Have a, have a great day.